You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live. We've got to let it breathe just for a moment here while we bring on Facebook and then we shall get tonight's Mile High Mailbag up and rolling. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, alas, despite the hopes, prayers, and good vibes headed in Greg Knapp's direction after he was struck by a motorist on his bicycle in California, the former Denver Broncos quarterbacks coach and current New York Jets passing game coordinator has passed away at the just unjust age of, of 58. So it's a tragedy and, you know, way too young, way too young, way too young. And all we know is he was struck by a motorist and it's under investigation, but man, RIP. Yeah, you know, we talked about it yesterday, like, you know, us not cursing and us kind of having to hold ourselves back, being professional. This is one situation where I want to curse because it's such an effing shame that someone as young as 58, someone as prolific, someone as nice of a person, let alone a football coach as Greg Knapp was, to be cut down while riding his bike. I don't think he woke up that morning, got on his bike, and thought that was going to happen. It's just such a freaking tragedy, and I feel so, so bad for his family, so, so bad for his friends, former colleagues, former players around him. I mean, what a great guy. I just can't get over 58, though. He's just, You know, you could say he's still starting his life, in a sense, finding himself, in a sense, not ending his life. It's just so sad. That's why you, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of get in the in the groove of things and the hustle and bustle and and you kind of can easily, I'll speak for myself, I can kind of, you know, lose lose track of perspective and priorities. But, you know, treat each day like it's your last. It's one of, that's what yeah. one of my uh, mentors taught me back in the day. And that's not to say eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die because you don't want to live as if there's no tomorrow because that does bring consequences. But you, you want to appreciate the world around you. Stop, smell the roses if and when you can because you don't know when. Something as inane. I bet that's a path. I don't know this, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's a path that Greg Knapp has, had taken many, many times on his bicycle and right. knew it well. But guess what? You can't control other people. And so you just never know. You know, hearts and per- uh, thoughts and our heart go out to the Knapp family. And, you know, I just want to say one last thing on this, Zach, and then we'll turn the page here. But that is that, you know, he obviously had a big con- a contributing factor to the Broncos winning Super Bowl 50. He was when Mike McCoy took the Chargers job after the 2012 season and the Broncos promoted Adam Gase from being QB's coach to offensive coordinator. The Napper came in and served as Peyton Manning's QB's coach uh, for the next three years. And then when he retired, he took over and people wonder why Trevor Simeon looked so good in 2016 and then not so good in 2017. Well, hey, he had Greg Knapp in 16 yeah. and Maybe that has a lot more to do with it than just the Gary Kubiak effect. 
I mean, yeah, just in present times, look at Rich Scangarello with Drew Locke and Drew Locke without Scangarello. You see the difference that coaching makes, and Greg Knapp had a profound impact on Trevor Simeon and a profound impact on every uh, player that he came across pretty much. And he was excited to work with, and he should be excited to work with, or he should have been, Zach Wilson in New York. I mean, he was on path to coach another young quarterback, and who knows what he might have done with him. That's why it's such a shame, but... Speaking for him as a person and what the tweets that came out in reaction to his unfortunate passing, everyone lauded him for being such a nice guy who always went out of your way to know your first name, know about you, treat you with respect, treat you with humility, and never was too big for any situation. So more so than him as a football coach, him as a man, the loss of uh, a great nap is truly, truly tragic. And I feel so, so bad for everyone affected by it. Appreciate the super chat, Shane. He says, yep. RIP to Greg Knapp, forever a Bronco. Yep. Indeed. And it's, you know, hey, your heart goes out to anyone who suffers a tragedy such as this. But when it's a former Bronco and a former Bronco who contributed to a world title, yep. you know, it just makes it sting all the more. Chris McKay, thank you for that super chat, my friend. He says, hey, guys, finally jumping in a live stream. Knapp passed away. Too bad to hear. About to move to Idaho or I would send more. Hey, Chris, we appreciate any support you can give. It really means a lot to us. Yeah. Believe that, my friend, and hope you have a nice and easy and safe move. And, uh, you know, best of luck out there. It's a, it's a fine state. Yeah, I mean, he can probably have a safe move, but easy move. No moves are easy. I, I despise moving. And, Chris, I hope that you have a, a better process than I ever had. But uh, uh, thank you for your contribution and uh, keep tuning in with us. And uh, welcome if it's your first time joining us tonight. Greg on Facebook. What's up, buddy? It's great to see you rocking the Let Him Hate shirt, just like my co-host here. He says, good evening, fellas. Been drinking Corv... How do you, how do you pronounce that, Zach? I don't know. Corvassier. Corvassier, thank That's you. That's the Corvassier. For my kids' mom's heavenly birthday today. So here's a shot for Coach Greg Knapp. Hey, man. Uh, I'm... <sighs> You know, that's that's tough. That's that's tough, my friend. That really is. But thoughts and prayers out to your kids because that ain't easy. And, of course, obviously to the Nat family. Yes, 100%. Uh, today is the Mile High Mailbag where we take a peek inside because we are your football priests. And each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And we try to be as democratic as we possibly can on Mailbag Day. That means getting to Twitch, getting to Twitter getting to Facebook as much as we get to YouTube and Super Chat. But just remember, the, the Super Chats and the stars, they're always going to take priority, but we are going to strive tonight to get to as many topics, questions, whatever's on your mind. Sometimes it's not a question. Sometimes it's a topic. Sometimes it's an issue or a bone you've been worrying at, uh, worrying at and it's a, we got to help you exercise the demons. We're happy to do that. But before we dive in, Zach, to the chat, let's just real quick remind everybody how to connect with us on social media. Start by following the Huddle Up podcast on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, and our main account, at Mile High Huddle. Our great producer, John Kay, who does a phenomenal job of just staying in touch with our community and, you know, really being concerned for people out there. John cares about each and every member in this community, just like we do, and you want to connect with him on Twitter, at John K M H H. My partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then also, gang, uh, make sure you are following the Huddle Up podcast on Facebook as well, because we have some huge plans for our Facebook page, but we got to wait till it gets to scale. So in the meantime, we need you guys to get on over there, like and follow the page to kind of help incentivize you beyond the just simple, hey, call to action, help us out. We have been giving away a little piece of swag each and every week to a randomly selected uh, name who was both liking and following the page, and we will do that later tonight for this week's. So you want to get in on that? 
navigate on your browser, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod, or just open up the app on your phone, search Huddle Up Podcast, give it a like, give it a follow. Also, kindly consider becoming a supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook. Navigate facebook.com slash milehighhuddle, big blue button at the top, become a supporter, click that. Five bucks a month, you are now a super supporter, and you get something in return. You get access to Kelberman's Corner, our VIP premium content, which starts with KK, the Trickle Zone every Saturday at noon, our newest show with yours truly, Broncos Book Club. Another way to support what we're doing here, gang. And also check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. And if you're not in a position to do those things, hey, it's all good. We're seriously just pleased as punch to have you here with us. Just make sure you're subscribed kindly like this video if you're on youtube and facebook you know it hurts us in our heart right zach it when when someone watches participates enjoys the content can't be bothered to give us a little like that really does hurt our feelings guys you know keeps us up at night so give us a like and then hey we're doing a good job for you share this video out there help us continue to grow reach new like-minded broncos fans just like you all right john what do we got buddy i see one from mad dog on youtube i want to get after sam here What's up, Sam? Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate that very generous super chat. He says, good evening, Broncos country. I received my Mile High Huddle uh, t-shirt today. Got my profile pic updated. Indeed, it's the football priest. Looking sharp, my friend. Send that to us. Uh, Shoot me an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Shoot it over to us, and we'll put you up on uh, our social media and give you a flex, give you some props. Thank you. He says, uh, 12 and 5 at worst, Zach, and making the playoffs. Thanks, guys. Go Broncos. And... Let them hate. 12 and 5 at worst. I like it, Sam Bam. Very optimistic. And we've had, you know, players on the show now both predicting either, you know, 16 and 1 or 17 and 0. So, Sam, you're at kind of, you know, falling under the average there. But thank you for rocking this, this, this swag. Thank you for contributing. And it's always nice interacting with you. Most definitely. Real quick, the subject of tonight's stream, because we always want to find at least a topic, a pertinent topic to title the stream around. And we went with the fact that. The Broncos are asking their quarterbacks to show up four days early for training camp. So Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Brett Rippon, they're going to report on Saturday, Zach. Meanwhile, the rest of the dudes, they're not showing up till, well, they'll probably report Tuesday and then training camp, I believe, starts, of course, Wednesday. But Mad Dog Rob, he says, well, why early? Is it the QB battle running a, a dual QB starters like we did years ago or option three? Hmm. No, dude, it's just a simple matter of, Zach, you know, the quarterback has to deal with the, the most cerebral responsibilities, and the sooner you can get them in, yeah. the, the better off you might be. And who knows, Zach, maybe Pat Shermer and Mike uh, Shula came up with a new wrinkle or something between when OTAs ended and camp started, and they also maybe want to get that in as much as they can. It also could have been a thing where it's being repackaged as news now, but it could have been decided weeks ago that the quarterbacks were going to show up a little early, so it's nothing major. I wouldn't read into it too much. Like Chad said, the quarterback obviously is the central component, you know, the nerve system of a, of a team, and they want to have both in the building because it's unignorable that the quarterback competition is the biggest positional battle going on this summer. So it's just one kind of, you know, a cog into the entire element with the Broncos. Most definitely. Um, let me see where we're at here, guys. There's, there might be a little bit of uh, dead air here and there as we kind of march through. Again, we want to get to as many topics as possible. And, of course, we want to get to the Duchess. Michaela, how's that tooth, my friend? How's it doing? I found what works for me, as I mentioned the other day, combination of Tylenol and ibuprofen. Uh, I had a dentist that clued me into that. But, of course, before you do anything like that, you want to consult your own 
doctors and dentists, but hope you're doing well. She says, just about to normal. Thank you all for your love. Hashtag MHH is the best family pod, family dash pod. Very sweet of you to say, and I'm glad you're <clears throat> just about there. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's I, like we said yesterday, there's nothing worse than uh, tooth pain. So we're happy you're getting you know better and you're on the mend. Thank you again, Michaela, for everything. We're looking forward to meeting you in the flesh in That's just right. a few more months. And by the way, to Peter Geiger Gaming, that whole issue that was holding up your I don't know why it, what it is, and Zach, for what it's worth, because we have many listeners in Australia, it's worth us saying this on the pod for those who are going to buy merch down there. But when you enter in your shipping address, make sure you also enter in your phone number. There is a little slot for that. For whatever reason, they required that. So anyway, we got that handled for you, Pete. Your hoodie should be to you sooner than later. And thank you again for your patronage. Chase, what's good? Appreciate you, my friend. He says, I was curious on your thoughts regarding Shermer's play calling in the box versus on the field. He did both last year. You know, Zach, I know that um, obviously as a head coach, right, you got to be on the field. So just like Vic Fangio, when Pat was with the Giants, he was field side, but that was Mike McCoy, or excuse me, Mike Shula calling plays. He started the season off on the field this past year as a Bronco did Shermer, went to the box. I, I got to tell you, I didn't notice a palpable difference in whether the scheme looked better or worse because it was basically just a crap show throughout the majority of the season. But, hey, if you spent that much time in the box last year, Zach, probably better off doing it again this year because, you know, you got the reps and you can see the field. That maybe that's where he's most comfortable. It harkens back to talks we had last year about it and debates that we've engaged with with the audience about it. I don't see a difference in, in in knowing when to call the screen pass if you're on the field or if you're in the box. You don't. It doesn't really change the complexion of the game to me. I think it's more of an excuse than anything else. I think coaches get comfortable and they lean on that. You know, being up high or being down below when they can. I always wanted a coach to be on the field to be just interacting with the players and around the momentum of the game. And just, I, that's what I prefer. But if the coach doesn't have it, if he's calling plays from two decades ago, it's not going to matter if he's calling plays from, you know, Colorado Springs or from mile high stadium. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I agree with you on that, that, you know, if, if I were a coach, I think I would, as much as I could understand perhaps the tactical advantage of being able to see the entire field from the booth, I would, feel like I was, I'm missing more by not being on the field, not being able to immediately talk to each player right. if I want to as they're coming on and off the field, not being able to be down in the muss and kind of have that visceral feel that, you know, it's like Wade Phillips as an example. Wade always coached from the sideline, and he was, was always one of the very best at just having a good gut feel for which way the game is going, which way the wind is blowing. It's like in the – uh, 2015 AFC title game when the Broncos hit Tom Brady 19 times and sacked him however many times. And uh, when they really started getting some momentum on Tom, you had a, a get off the field sack. I think it was DeMarcus Ware. And as they're rumbling back to the sideline because New England's going to punt, you hear Wade Phillips saying, he don't like it. He don't like it. Talking about Tom Brady getting beat up and just being down there in that feel. And, you know, it's not just the bonding with your dudes, but like just having a feel for the game. I think you do forfeit that, Zach, when you go to the booth. There's just a, a tangible, or I guess not tangible, but there's this 
it's the element of the game. It's the feeling. It's the energy in your players. It's having that communication, and you lose that when you're communicating via mic. It's like talking to someone in person, which I personally prefer. I'm sure you do as well, Chad, versus engaging with that same person over the phone. There's just not that that realism to it. And coaches, when you, when you take that away from a coach in the last minutes of a game, for example, I think that has a, a bigger effect than anything else. Agreed. It'll be interesting, though, to see which tact he takes because he did start off the season on the sideline and then move to the booth. Uh, shout out to our top star senders for this evening as we're still just kind of settling in here on tonight's show. Travis Tarbox, thank you for those stars. The legend himself, Gary Leeds Palmer, and, of course, Travis Weber, each and every one of you, we appreciate. And you are contributing to our goal of reaching 500,000 stars on Facebook, at which point we're going to give away a Von Miller jersey, and that jersey is going to go to only – the, the winner of that, all right, the raffle winner, will be selected from the hat, so to speak, of those who actually have contributed to those 500,000 stars. So appreciate each and every one of you. Much love. Yeah, I'm looking, though. I don't see Zebulon up there. That's kind of surprising to me. So I appreciate all you guys, though, for real. You know what? He, warp speed is fast. But, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, if you're, if you're battling the Klingons on the other side of the galaxy – wormholes, you know, space yeah. uh, creatures. Who knows what he might be encountering on his way back to Earth to enjoy the Huddle Up podcast. Fair point. Travis, what's up, dude? Good evening, guys. My condolences to the Knapp family. The world lost a good man. Yeah. Question, how do you guys feel about the linebacker that we drafted, Baron Browning? Do you think he will make an immediate impact? Zach, as I serve this over to you, hopefully everyone saw that they did get Baron Browning signed. So he's under contract, and then, of course, they're, the downside, you're excited. You're like, all right, third-round pick signed, and then he's going to open camp on the pub. Yeah. yeah, I literally have an article that I published but haven't put on Twitter yet or on Facebook yet, and I opened by saying the fact that he signed his contract, which is a four-year contract worth about $4.78 bucks, standard-issue rookie contract for where he was drafted, that's only the second biggest headline of the day pertaining to Baron Browning. It, the follow-up news right after he signed his deal was the fact that he's going on the pup list to open training camp. The fact that he had a knee injury in rookie minicamp, which was right after he was drafted and then didn't practice in OTAs. He didn't practice in minicamp, mandatory minicamp. And on top of that, as I wrote in the article, it's kind of unclear what specifically is wrong with Baron Browning. We know a lower leg injury. We know some sort of knee. But even Vic Fangio was being evasive about it when asked multiple times this offseason, what is going on with your prized rookie inside, outside, edge rusher, linebacker? We don't know yet, but it seems like he's not off to a good start. Hopefully, though, it's the active PUP, which means he can resume practicing at any time, as opposed to reserve PUP, where he have to sit out a – uh, predetermined amount of time before coming back. I can't wait to see Baron Browning, but he's really behind the eight ball. And every day he sits out, it gets a little tougher. You know, he's, he's my partner said it well. We have high hopes for Baron Browning, but I think just with the kind of, um, you know, delay in getting on the field and the injury bug, probably shouldn't, as a fan, get too far out over your skis in expectation of – some kind of monumental contribution as a rookie. Give him time. Let's see if he can settle in. Meanwhile, though, you still got Justin Sternod, who is 100%. And Vic Fangio, you know, he said, hey, he's basically like a rookie because he only got three or four training camp practices, no OTAs, no preseason last year before he hurt his wrist. So hopefully we'll get to see a good look, long look at each one of those guys. Robert, what's up, dude? 
Thank you for that super chat. Proudly rocking his MHH shirt like a boss. Love it. Hey, send us that uh, send us that picture, Robert. Send it to either send it to us on Twitter if you're on Twitter. And if not, by the way, connect on Twitter, gang. Each and every one of you, especially if you're one of our superstars on YouTube or Facebook. We like staying in touch with those who are really supporting us. So, Robert, if you're on Twitter, be sure to follow us and and do one of these in our mentions, and we'll make sure to follow you back. But if you're not on Twitter, shoot us an email with that pit, that profile pic. He says, hello. As a native Coloradan, I am both humbled and encouraged by the many MHH hosts and superstars that are not from here. Hashtag state of being. Yeah, we have a pretty uh, eclectic group of staff writers and podcast hosts that are from across the fruited plain. And maybe that's what where the inspiration for hashtag state of being came from. I don't know. But either way, we're just happy to have you guys here with us. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys, as many as possible, guys and gals, September 26th. You know, I was going to say this is kind of a non sequitur, and thank you, Robert, for your contribution. But, you know, Broncos versus Jets, that would be a good game to honor Greg Knapp, I would think, Chad. That's what I was thinking about earlier. Hopefully, you know, both teams do something, and we're fortunate enough to see it live in week three. Man, it's just so frustrating if you sit and think about it. I mean, what a senseless, senseless tragedy. BNS, what's going on, dog? Good to see you. Appreciate you. Love you guys. Love you too. Hashtag all pro bowls. Yeah, dude. We can't wait to see Bowles hopefully duplicate what he produced last year. And if he does, I mean, he almost kind of, Zach, got a second-team All-Pro nod begrudgingly from the Associated Press, right? His peers and coaches around the league, they want to see it again. And then that level of performance, you can't deny from the Pro Bowl. You can't deny it. So he just needs to string it together one at least one more year of that, and he's going to be one of those household name, left tackle, lock them down, studs that he could really build some momentum and and become a thing for this team long-term. And I really hope uh, he does because they need a linchpin. And who do they really have as a linchpin if only for Garrett Bowles, which is so weird to say. You can't rely on your right tackle because it's constantly a swinging door there. You can't rely on your right guard because who is your right guard of the future? You can't rely on your center because who is your center of the future? And Dalton Reisner last year, he he was kind of shaky as well. So Garrett Bowles needs to be the leader of the offensive line and one of the leaders of the entire offense and we think, I think he's capable of that, not only being an all-pro, but an all-pro in the locker room as well. Appreciate you, Maurice. Yes, Sam, this is a Peyton Manning bobblehead that was uh, bequeathed to me by the contractors that did the drywall and soundproofing on my, my new studio. Uh, they gave me this. I'm like, they're like, hey, this is for your new podcast studio. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. Is the job done yet? You know? <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, um, more of that stuff, you know, once I, I'm almost completely moved in here as far as all my gear and all my stuff I'm finishing, you can see some of it hanging on the walls here behind the banner, uh, acoustic treatment. Once I get all that hung up and I'm going to, then I'm going to start hanging some, um, some spots, some shelves where I can put some of my other stuff. I mean, this is just a cool Bronco football, but I got one. Signed by Floyd Little, you know, another RIP, Bronco Hall of Famer. Some other cool stuff that you'll see up on the walls, and we can talk about it when the time comes. But, oh, look, here he is, dude. Zach, Romulans have been vanquished. 
He's like, uh, what's the, it's like Bloody Mary saying his name makes him appear. We appreciate you, Zebulon. <laughs> he had a Google Romulans, though. Ironically, Star Trek has never been my thing. Mine either. Uh, that's one thing where Chad and I differ. I'm not really a Star Wars, Star Trek kind of guy, but I've heard it a million times. Zebulon, it's, it's more of a running joke. We just want to say we really appreciate the personality that you've become in the, in the audience, and uh, we appreciate your contributions, obviously, as well. For what it's worth, I've never been a Star Trek guy, but as a pop culture fan, you know, of like different media properties that have existed. I know a little bit about Star Trek, but it can't hold a candle in my book. Even the old school Star Trek, you know, with the original Captain Kirk and Spock and all that stuff, can't even hold a candle to Star Wars. But I at least know enough from being like a teenager in the 90s and seeing Star Trek The Next Generation on repeat syndication on cable constantly that I know what the Romulans are. I know what the freaking Klingons are few things like that, but I'm not really a Star Trek guy. But Zebulon, I am curious, where does the name come from, my dog? We assume your real name is Kevin Lind. Zebulon Omega, I mean, is this simply, <laughs> are we talking like, um, you know, what do they call that, Zach? The, the the verbiage that they use in the military to signal out, right? You know, like alpha, yeah. uh, beta, all that stuff. Is that is simply what it is? I don't know. I don't. It, it, I don't think we want to know the answer. I think we might have to be killed if we know the answer. So we'll call you Kevin Lind and just kind of respect your your uh, your non surname. Hey, what's up, Michael? It's great to see you in the chat tonight, my friend. We really appreciate you. Really, really do. Um, all right, Seth, what's good, buddy? Great pod, he says. Go Broncos. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of uh, you know news to break down. There's a few things we can get to uh, if we need to or if we get time. But we, we're mostly just wanting to see what's on your guys' mind tonight. It is, it is the Mile High Mailbag, and this is our the episode we look forward to the very, very most. And I know Travis, Zach, he's – thank you, Seth. I know Travis is wondering, hey, when is Javante Williams and Brown, Browning assigned? When is Javante going to be signed? Um, it's nothing to worry about, guys. These are slotted contracts, and so it's, it's really matter of course. There are some yeah. little verbiages that, depending on – where they are drafted, what round, um, and depending on the position, like when Drew, for example, was drafted, he almost walked the line of having to hold out when training camp started because what was, if you remember, Zach, it was something to the effect of there was that quarter, he was wanting to, that quarterback clause for second rounders yeah. that would have given him a little bit more, I think, guaranteed money. I can't remember exactly the, the wrinkle to that, but they'll get signed, dude. Don't worry about it. I would be put it this way: if if Javante Williams is not signed by the time training camp starts next week, I will do the fifty piece challenge live on the Huddle Up podcast for everyone <laughs> to see. Promise you that it's gonna uh, happen. Here's, here's one from uh, Don on Facebook. Thank you for being with us. If Fangio crashes, is there any chance of a Gary Kubiak return, or is he too old school? Now there's too much water under that bridge now, unfortunately. Uh, he's out of the league, right? He's or is he still coach? I thought he retired. He I retired. thought he retired. Yeah, yeah. His son so, is the new thing now in Minnesota. Clint. Clint. Yep. All the all the boys of of Gary, their names start with a K. Clint Klein. There's another one. I'm, I can't remember. Anyway, um, but Gary, you know, hey, it was wearing thin on him hard. The stressor, the, the you know, the yeah. stress and pressure of coaching before he left Houston, right? In fact, that's one of the reasons the Houston Texans ended up unraveling and he was fired because he had that mini stroke on the field. Remember that? And then there was a similar episode his second year in Denver, not the Super Bowl year, the second year. So he's just a guy where 
I mean, stress comes out in the wash no matter who you are. Eventually, if you're constantly under pressure and constantly under stress, it's going to affect you and it's going to make some sort of an impact. For some people, though, depending on their physical constitution and their respective genealogy and all that stuff, it can have a more pronounced effect. And I think for Coop, man, you know, that he just needs to step away. But even if it wasn't that, Zach, I mean, he kind of burnt some bridges. I know I know Elway's his boy, and they're, they go way back, and they're always going to be close buddies. But he kind of did the Broncos dirty, to be honest with you, the way he stepped down after 2016 over uh, the issue at hand, which was motivated somewhat by the Paxton Lynch thing that he wouldn't play Paxton. Elway wanted Paxton on the field. And then also the rumors were at the time that they wanted – that Elway wanted Cube to, after the season – move on from Rick Dennison and one or two other guys. I'm trying to remember who they were, but on the offensive staff and Coop was like, no, I'm just going to quit then. Peace out. And you know what? I think there's some credibility to that second rumor because when he got hired in Minnesota, uh, I think that was his last stop. He took Dennison. He took everyone else with him there. So no. And I was going to say, Chad, to your point, I remember writing the story about his little, you know, health episode in Denver was unfortunate and scary at the time. But I was going to say, I don't mean this jokingly. If your head coach is being whisked away in an ambulance after the game because of his heart or because of his health, he probably shouldn't be coaching. I mean, that's why he got out, and I believe there's some veracity to that as well. It's a very, very stressful job. So I wish Gary Kubiak well in his next endeavor, but the Broncos can't go back to an old well. They can't go to an old hat. They can't go to a defensive guy, as far as I'm concerned. The next head coach of the Broncos has to be a younger guy and an offensive guy. I'll take Clint Kubiak before I would take Gary Kubiak. And you know what? With the connection to Minnesota as well, Chad – with George Payton. Wouldn't surprise. Never know. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I know that there was a lot more to the story. There always two sides to a story, but I still kind of feel like Gary Kubiak, he did what he felt was right, okay? But I still kind of felt like he left Elway and in in the Broncos, uh, you know, blow in the breeze, you know, like y- your Hall of Fame quarterback hangs up his cleats. And so you go back to the well, you draft one in the first round, but you weren't really involved in that decision. And so you're going to kind of sabotage it by playing the second year, former seventh round pick that was drafted to be a backup to a backup, basically a complete fail safe guy, not the future of a franchise guy. And then when push came to shove and, and your boss slash friend wanted you to make some changes to the staff, because obviously that offense, even though Simeon had a few flash in the pan games and was pretty solid in 2016, Another shout-out to Coach Knapp, RIP. Uh, it was still a pretty cringy offense. I mean, it wasn't good, right? It was not – there was nothing to write home about there, with the exception, Zach, that you got DT and Emmanuel over 1,000 yards. So I still think – I'm always going to wonder, Zach, what would have happened if Gary Kubiak and John Elway find a way to compromise there on, on what the ask was – and he sticks around, you don't get VJ. You, I guarantee you, you don't get four losing seasons in a row. I, I guarantee you that. And guess what else doesn't happen? You don't lose Wade Phillips. He probably comes back with Gary Kubiak, and the Broncos chose to move on to hire Vance Joseph. But, you know, if he was legitimately, you know, intentionally uh, sabotaging the team with the quarterback competition, boy, that's the definition of, of failing upward because Trevor Simeon was so much better than Paxton Lynch, not just once, but two years in a row. And I think Gary Kubiak had something to do with that. You know, I don't want to speculate too much on, you know, 
what's been, you know, water under the bridge for sure. But I do believe his health contributed to his decision to want to step away. And I think he got the itch again, and that's why he came back. Willie, appreciate you, bro. He goes, hey, I'm not liking tonight's video just to keep Zach up later. (laughs) Yeah, it it does keep us up at night when you watch but you don't like. You know this, Willie. You see these bags? That's because of you, Willie. That's because of you, dude. That's because of you. You know, that's because of you. All right. Not liking the video. Uh, James, what's up, brother? MHH staff writer says, no Greg Knapp, no Broncos Super Bowl victory, an incredible coach, renowned teacher, and offensive mind, a huge loss to the NFL and his loved ones. Well said, my friend, a very sweet tribute. It's just you focus on it, and it can just make you mad in the true sense of the word. Not, I mean, angry, yes, but mad like going crazy because senseless tragedies like that, it's just so frustrating. Makes you want to curse, like I said, but that's a pretty good uh, uh, tribute there, James, so we appreciate it. By the way, before I grab Sam, Travis, yes, uh, we did get your email today, FYI. Um, okay, good, good to no, know. I just reread it. Good. Appreciate that. We look forward to that. Sam, what's up again, bro? Thank you. Also, looking good in your profile pic, which he has already forwarded to our email. Appreciate that, Sam. Do the Broncos need to address safety depth? After Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, isn't it just rookies, Jamar Johnson and Caden Stearns? Or am I missing someone? Yeah, Trey Marshall, uh, Duke Dawson. Seems like we need some veteran depth there. Love the bobblehead. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, but those Mm -hmm. two have been pretty consistent, reliable, Kareem and Simmons in terms of availability, right? Like, I can't even think of the last time Justin Simmons missed a game. And I know Kareem missed one or two his first year in Denver, but I think they were actually – he missed one game because of injury early on. He missed the uh, – I think it was the early Charger game, the one in which A.J. Johnson had his kind of coming out party. And then he missed two because of, of course, the DUI suspension. But I think they're in a pretty nice situation, Zach, where you've got the veteran uh, top-heavy depth chart, and so you right. can afford to go young behind them. Exactly. Their their starters are veterans. So you need to have some guys that are can that can be the next wave, can be the, the wave of the future. Kareem Jackson is not the future at safety for the Broncos. Jamar Johnson and or Caden Stearns is. The Broncos had veteran safety depth last year when they brought back Will Parks. How'd that work out for him? I don't really subscribe to that. It's more about the player than the depth. Uh, are, the, are, are focusing on getting a veteran to fill depth. And and they're not going to carry more than four anyway, more than likely, Chad. Five at, at, at most. So what could you really do there? You have four guys. You have two veterans and two rookies who you're high on. Uh, they're fine. Yeah, you have all that you need, in all honesty. You have all that you need. Um, Marie says on YouTube, hey, let me say the quiet part out loud. Aaron Rodgers is not coming to Denver this season. Next season, maybe for now, we're rolling with Drew and Teddy. Hashtag deal with it. Yeah, until he's here, he's not, right? So you you love the one you're with, right? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. And that's Drew and Teddy right now, and they're fixing to square off in in a true 50-50 competition that we can't wait to cover for you guys, break down every single day, coming out of training camp. It's going to be a gas. 
I'm really starting to think that, yeah, the, uh, the Rogers trade, like Andrew Brandt said, I think his evaluation of this whole situation is spot on. That's a former Packers VP who had a hand in drafting Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I, I think what's going to happen one way or the other, he's going to sit out or play for Green Bay this year, and the trade involving Rodgers is going to come next offseason. So logically, and this I think, if they're going to make a play for him, you have the best of both worlds. If they're not going to trade him, you can get by and see what you have in Locke and Bridgewater for now, and and if Locke bombs, you can make a play for Aaron Rodgers. If Locke succeeds, you might not have to make that trade. So it's kind of a win-win for Denver if they're just patient and they wait. And fortunately, they have a guy in George Payton who embodies both of those um, adjectives. Another shout-out to our star senders, including this comment here from Andrew, which we'll grab. But Sean Miller as well, what's up? We've already shouted out Travis, the Travises, Travis Weber, and Travis Tarbox, Gary Leeds. Zebulon, appreciate you guys. It means a lot to us. You know this. Uh, Andrew says, um, if you want to throw that back up, John, I don't know where. I'm, I don't have it in my timeline. Uh, if you see it again, we'll grab what Andrew said. But uh, meanwhile, here's our pal on YouTube. I heard the other day Vic is setting up schemes for Von Chubb and Malik Reed to be on the field at the same time. What do you guys think about that? I have not heard that. But, you know, hey, every defensive coordinator has his kind of NASCAR package that they throw out there every once in a while. And, you know, it's not something you live and die with uh, or buy, I should say. But it's something that, you know, when you, when you have a, a chance, an opportunity, you do it like, hey, you know, it's the end of the second quarter and the team wants, you know, they're on the they're they're on your 45 and they're going to go for a Hail Mary. Hey, throw Malik out, throw Vaughn out, throw Chubb and let him just get after the quarterback and then drop, you know eight dudes into coverage so i mean remember like you just you, you kind of hit it on there remember the old fabled packages featuring vaughn Ware, shane ray shack barrett those are four edge rushers so the more you have the more you want to play around with uh, that should be expected not we're not surprised at all that they want to work those guys in there but let's not act like you know malik reed i think he had a good season last year but it's a pretty big drop off talking about vaughn miller bradley chubb and then malik reed as the third guy Malik's a great try-hard guy. He's a great cleanup guy. He's not good against the run. He leaves you very exposed in that aspect. And he's just not a guy that wins off the snap like Vaughn does and Chubb does or can. Chubb's not as consistent winning off the snap as Vaughn is. But Reed does have his utility. And if he can go out there and do like he did last year and approach double-digit sacks, hey, he'll hit unrestricted free agency and he'll get paid, dude. Uh, Andrew, what was the question there? Sorry. Sorry. We've delayed on – okay. Sean Miller, he says, it's good to be back. Finally been super busy. Missed you guys. My question is, how healthy is the offensive line? And let's get that raffle going, Facebook. Indeed. Thank you for the stars, Sean. You're included in that, man. However many times you star between now and when we reach the goal, that's how many tickets, so to speak, you get in the raffle to be the one who wins the Von Miller jersey. But uh, how healthy is the offensive line? Zach, there's no issues there that I'm aware of now that Jawan – well – that's not true. Bobby Massey, Massey had a little something, right? Yeah, that's the only thing we know of on the surface is that Massey kind of missed some practices, but the Broncos aren't really concerned. They have Cameron Fleming as well at that spot. Uh, as far as we know, Graham Glasgow's healthy. Cushenberry's healthy. They have Miners. Uh, they have Dalton Reisner healthy. And Garrett Bowles is a warrior who's always healthy. So uh, fingers crossed, and thank you know, hopefully, Sean, you didn't just jinx us. I'm knocking wood for all of us right now involving the Broncos. Okay, Andrew, here it is, bro. We don't forget about you. Just showing some love. Thank you, my dog. Go priests, go beast. 
are y'all going to pod or live stream some of training camp or is that beyond what's allowed? That is beyond. It's not so much beyond what's allowed, but uh, the current setup, even still in the post, we're still in the pandemic, right? And so even though they've relaxed some of the strictures on media, being there and all that stuff, access to players in the locker room, uh, it used to be like if you were covering training camp, you would get access to the media room after each and every practice where you could, you know, potentially set up and do a quick little podcast or write up your article covering what you saw that day. And uh, I don't think you're going to have that much leeway. So it's kind of like you can be there and watch what's happening and then get the Sam Hill out. But we are still working on some ideas, some things that we can provide some content from training camp. So stay tuned on that. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Chad, because the Cowboys had their first training camp practice today and the players met through almost a barrier uh, with the reporters. So it's not going to be normal in that sense, but we're going to give you as much as we can give you, and we will always break down the biggest storylines going on at Broncos camp. Clifton says, Kerry Vincent Jr., Denver's seventh-round draft pick out of LSU, equals Teron Matthew. Man, I can't go there with you. Teron Matthew, first of all, he, he was a corner in college. But he was always just a physical whirling dervish, right? Kerry Vincent, he's more of a, you know, a sticky man. He's more of a Tony Carter, to be honest with you. Suited to the inside, suited to the nickel. So his best, um, you know, what you can really hope for with Kerry is that he could maybe become the successor to Bryce Callahan post-2021 if he really, really develops. But he's going to have to fend off Isang Bassi, who's also trying to throw his hat in the ring on that job. And there's also, you know, Patrick Sertan, his fellow rookie to contend with. There's also, you know, uh, Kyle Fuller to contend with. There's a bunch of players on the roster for he has to first beat out before we start comparing him to the Honey Badger. I hope for it, but if they can get in year one going forward, solid contributor from Kerry Vincent, no matter what he does on defense, I'll be just happy with that. All right, I am taking a quick look here. Willie again, you demand Willie. It's laughable how sure people are that Teddy starts week one. His ceiling is so low. It's really not close unless Drew bombs. The national media is a joke. Yeah, you know our thoughts and feelings on that last topic that you you mentioned in there. But you know what? Here's the thing. Teddy Bridgewater is no joke. All right? Teddy Bridgewater is a legit threat to Drew Locke. Drew knows it. Drew feels it. And that's either going to – it's going to impact him one way or another. It's either going to impact him in a positive way where it really does motivate him and you, it brings out that competitor and it brings out excellence. Or it's going to be the type of pressure where, you know, it's like Paxton Lynch. He wasn't ready for that. He withers against in the face of it. And, you know, it shows you, though, that, hey, you weren't meant to be in the league. If you can't handle the pressure, if you can't step up and rise to the challenge – of a plausible threat to your job, then you don't belong. So we still remain pretty confident in uh, how you feel, Willie, as far as Drew ends up coming out on top. But, Zach, the way I see this unfolding is training camp itself, you're going to see reports coming out of camp very similar to what it was in OTAs. Drew has a big practice, crushes it, a bunch of big plays, followed by two or three where the reviews are negative, and then another right. tent pole day. And then, meanwhile, Teddy's going to be that steady-as-she-goes quarterback. When the preseason games roll around, though, the lights come on, the stage, you know, becomes uh, larger. And Drew, he has an element of a gamer element to his game. All right. And, you know, if so, in other words, 
when the preseason games get here, I think that's when you're going to see Drew provide the the best showcase of what he can offer the Broncos this year. And it just so happens to be that those three preseason games, Zach, we know from Big Fangio, are going to factor the most in terms of the whole data set that they analyze to decide who wins. I think that's all really well said. And, you know, to your point, I don't see Drew Locke withering in the face of competition. I think he's going to use it as motivation. And whether that motivation is enough to overcome his shortcomings on the field and make him the quarterback we all think he can be is another story. Uh, You know, Teddy Bridgewater, though, I'm being totally objective here. I'm not his biggest fan, but overall his ceiling in the NFL is low, and I agree with that general premise. But in the Broncos' offense, his ceiling is not all that low, if only because of the weapons around him. Look at his backfield with Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. Look at his receiving core with we all know who it is. His tight ends, he has on paper a potential top 10 offensive line. I mean, if he can just make just a little improvement on his downfield accuracy and power, he can be a pretty good starting quarterback for Denver. Not as high of a ceiling as Drew Locke, but uh, floor, even if by default, could be enough for the Broncos to win double digits this year. Yeah, don't completely sleep on Teddy. And Willie, appreciate you, bro. Uh, I want to grab this one here from Jay on YouTube. He says, question, what was the dynamic Behind closed doors with Vance Joseph and Elway. Was Elway trying to be an armchair head coach? Can you please tell us what was actually going on now, years removed? Well, I'll tell you what the dynamic was. It was, I'm the boss. You do what you're told in a friendly way. They were close buddies. In fact, when when John Elway showed up that Black Monday uh, to announce that Vance Joseph had been let go, he was visibly shook, not just because the Broncos had closed out now two consecutive sub-500 years and he had had to fire a head coach, but because he really loathed having to fire Vance because, to quote John, he said he's a good man, which he is. He is a great guy. All of his players freaking love Vance Joseph. The problem was, you know, he wasn't – Elway didn't really involve him in free agent scouting, uh, you know, pro-side scouting, draft scouting until year two, and even then it was pretty limited. And so he was very much kind of a crap rolls downhill. I'm the boss, John Elway. You're the head coach, yes, but you're going to do what you're told. And, you know, call it a yes, man, whatever you want to say. Vance Joseph, if and when, Zach, he ever gets another chance to be a head coach, I think he'll have learned a lot from that relationship he had with Elway to where, hey, look, if you're going to hire me for head coach as I give you my presentation and I interview for the job, let me tell you, I'm my own man. I'm going to be involved this, that, and the other. And I think he'll – you know, he's wiser for it. And obviously the Broncos are wiser for it as well, because as much as they liked Vance, they realized that he just was not quite prepared for the exactly. job he got. Exactly. Super likable guy. I mean, if you, some of you guys may remember this, I certainly do. Cause I wrote about it, but uh, there was a, I think it was a Snapchat video in 2018 of Vance Joseph in the back of a car or a limo with John Bolin, yeah. Johnny Bolin. We don't know what they were doing, but he looked a little non-sober, I should say, Vance Joseph. They were in Colorado, after all. I just remember Vance being such a good guy that you want to get a beer with, you want to just talk crap with. He's a very likable guy. He wasn't ready to be a head coach in the NFL with the Denver Broncos. And to your point, Chad, I think Elway liked him as a man and liked him as a coach, but he, he didn't respect him as a coach. And that's where I think the biggest problem was. Look at Vance's resume or lack thereof. He had one year of coordinating experience with the Dolphins. And I've, I feel like I've said this a million times because I have. In that one year, the Dolphins' defense was terrible. 
And there were some theories that the NFL behind the scenes pressured Denver into making a minority hire. Maybe that there's a whole bunch of conspiracies out there. I think Elway wanted to go progressive. I think he wanted to do something out of the box. So he hired a younger guy. He hired a defensive guy, inexperienced guy. It didn't work out, but he, like you said, Chad, the biggest point here, Vance simply proved on his own, despite any other conspiracy theory, he just really wasn't ready to be a head coach yet. He was out of his depth as a, macro guy but you know what when he had to there was a few points in that two years he was head coach I can't remember which games now off the top of my head but there were a few points where things were going sideways for the defense and he stepped in and took over play calling duties from Joe Woods on defense yep. and the defense immediately played better yep. it was just so it's not that he offered zero utility to the team it's just that he wasn't quite ready to go from being all right I'm calling plays and game planning to managing problems you know all the all the little um, peripheral issues that are involved, and Vic Fangio. Let's be honest; he has struggled with a similar thing because he's been a guy that has been able to just focus as a coach, as a uh, game planner, as a tactician. You know, position coach, get in there if he wants to and coach up the off ball guys. Get in there if he wants to and coach up the the edge. But when it comes to the macro vision of what it really means to take the mantle of a head coach and shoulder that responsibility, Vance Joseph was out of his depth. Yeah. Vic Fangio remains to be seen if he's out of his depth. So far, the re- returns obviously are not all that encouraging on that front, Zach. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing about Vance. You know when you're in a relationship and you guys, you, you break up, in, in the beginning after you break up, you ha- you hold so much hostility and anger and resentment and pettiness toward the other person, and then a few years go by, and then you kind of let it go, and you become apathetic toward it. That's all I was about Vance. When he was coach of the Broncos and fired after, I was like, worst coach of all time, worse than McDaniels. He should never coach again in the NFL. I'm looking back on it right now. He certainly deserved to be fired. He wasn't ready, but look who his quarterback was. Look who his coordinators were being a rookie coach. He had Mike McCoy and Joe Woods. I mean, those didn't cut it either. He had no boon, and especially a guy in the front office in Elway who uh, one of the comments said, EJ here never empowered Vance. It's true because he didn't respect him. So I could see why Vance failed. It certainly was on his own volition, but he wasn't given much help by the Broncos either. Conversely, Fangio has, because Elway respects Fangio, and he sees him as a an equal, not a lesser. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. You're, you know, you're always going to wonder, hey, if Vance, you know, gets to coach a Peyton Manning, had preside over a Peyton Manning team, you know, where you're not really coaching Peyton. Peyton's running his own show, but – or a more established veteran, you're probably a team that's a lot closer to 500, if not above. And put Peyton out of it, like a, just a more like even a Joe Flacco team. All right, from that era, Ugh. you're probably a little bit closer. But you were dealing with true um, incompetence at quarterback, just a pure lack of talent on the part of Trevor Simeon, and a pure lack of competency on the part of Paxton Lynch. All right, Edward Keating, what up, dude? Good to see you. It was great talking to you the other night, my friend. Thank you for the support. He says Locke will beat Teddy. Screenshot this, hit the no. like button. <laughs> Thanks, Chad and Zach. Denver Broncos for life. State of being let them hate lock 2021. All right, buddy. Make sure you guys do that. Screenshot it. You could screenshot us saying it as well. In, in, in a, a level competition, all things being equal, we both predict that Drew Locke will be Teddy Bridgewater. So get those receipts ready. Yeah, Chase. Uh, PJ Locke, by the way, you know, he's another one of the depth safeties, but he's, let's face it, barring injuries, multiple injuries. Uh, he's a he's a practice squad slash, you know, game day active type guy that gets bounced right back to the practice squad. 
Uh, Benjamin Flores, what's up, fellas? Been a minute due to life being busy. Keep up the good work. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Um, all right, let's see here. Willie again. Thank you, buddy. He goes, Teddy's only a real threat if Drew gives up. Come on. Um, you know, look, as you got to be careful to to wade into the territory of using absolutes and, you know, jumping the shark. We don't want you to misinterpret, for example, on our part, saying, hey, you know, we're less than, um, you know, completely impressed by Teddy Bridgewater's uh, physical wherewithal as a talent and say, oh, that means Teddy sucks. Teddy Bridgewater does not suck, dudes. He really does not. He does not suck. Teddy Bridgewater is a – he's a journeyman. He's proven that. But he's, he's, he, there's still that sliver of a chance that he could be more if put in the right situation. And the reason I say that is because of the leadership component he brings to the table. He just has a juice, man. He has an it factor that men gravitate to. And then also from what we saw, this was a quarterback on the come when that tragedy befell him in OTAs 2016. I mean, he was coming off a Pro Bowl year, leading the Vikings to 11-5. and five. I mean, look what he did with top-of-the-line coaching in New Orleans, his second year there, winning all five of his starts. Not great numbers that he put up in those five starts, but did your team win the game? You bet your ass they did. So don't sleep on Teddy. And again, if Teddy ends up winning this competition, or as you say, if Drew abdicates or you know fails to launch, let's just say that, your Broncos are going to be okay with Teddy. They're going to be a plausible threat. Are they going to be able to go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes? Let's face it, probably not. Can they push for a wild card? I believe they could. You guys want to do the suck test, and this is not as literal as I'm, as it sounds. Would you take Teddy Bridgewater or Brock Osweiler as your starter? Would you take Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum as your starter? To me, Brock Osweiler sucks. To me, Case Keenum as a starter in the NFL sucks. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think, sucks in the NFL. Is he below average? You can make the case. Is he not really that overall you know, physically impressive? Uh, certainly not. But he, I don't think he sucks. I think he's the definition of just an average journeyman quarterback if there is one. And if the Broncos have to play him, they can get by based on the strength of their team, their defense, and their roster. But, Willie, look at the shirt I'm wearing. I'm obviously supporting. I, I obviously think Locke has an upper hand here, but I'm not writing off. Teddy Bridgewater is not Jeff Driscoll. Teddy Bridgewater is not Brett Rippon. Those guys are invalid competition. Teddy Bridgewater is good competition for Drew Locke. And even like comparing Teddy to another journeyman that's passed through Denver, like Case Keenum, big difference between those two guys, not only age, all right, but that leadership panache, man, that just that having that juice. Like Case Keenum, when things are going good, he his guys will respond to him. <laughs> Before when, he left. When, yeah, yeah, but when you get to uh, choppy waters and the results aren't coming out in the wash, do you have what it takes to still – galvanize your team and teddy does you know teddy's a guy men will follow into the abyss so you know that's something that can pay some dividends depending on you know how that competition and michaela thank you for that other super chat i still think i'm still if i were a betting man i would still be putting my money on drew and i would tell you to go read the article i put out uh yesterday breaking down the qb competition that's coming up for a pretty good synopsis of why I think Drew's aces in the hole are not only the fact that John Elway is still haunting the roost, he's still there, but he's getting scheme continuity, all right? He's getting his number one receiver back. 
And, you know, he had an opportunity to really spend some quality film time, nine to 10 hours with Peyton Manning. <clears throat> so all those things combined, I think, are more than one ace up his sleeve, whereas Teddy's ace is, you know, it's he, this isn't his first go around in Shermer's scheme. So the, the, it favors the incumbent, but Drew ha- has to go out there and leave no doubt. And I think that you're not going to see that probably, Zach, till the preseason games. Yeah, I, again, in, in a level of competition, which – God willing, should happen. All things being equal, on paper, Drew Locke should win this battle. And I think it's naive to think the Broncos don't want Locke to win this competition. I mean, he's a cost-controlled young quarterback, still developing. You can easily make the case, and it's not saying much, he's the most enticing quarterback prospect the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning, and they've had a lot invested in him. I don't think they want him to go down to Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think they want Teddy Bridgewater to start any games this year. They want Locke to blossom into what they think he could be, George Payton included. What His evaluation of Locke was genuine, and uh, it would behoove the Broncos both in the short term and the long term if Locke worked out. And again, I'm I'm a betting man, and, and if we were betting on the situation, um, I would say Locke wins, but we shall see. I'm not going to rule out Teddy Bridgewater doesn't win this job. I'm not saying it's no chance at all. But again, all things being equal, the the upside, the potential of Locke greatly outweighs what Bridgewater has to offer. Well said. And by the way, Andrew, congrats on being a new dad, my friend. Good for you. That's great. Great to have you back in the chat. Uh, Willie, and by the way, guys, we're about out of time here. Willie, again, thanks, buddy. Pat Shermer is worse for this team than Vance was. You could be right. You could be right, yeah. but he needs one more year to make that plain. He's got yeah. one more year to turn the ship around. So uh, we'll see. It's true. We got two years of Vance and only one of Shermer. So we'll, this 2021 will be the make or break for a lot of people involved, and you know Pat especially. Absolutely. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Kevin says, what's up, guys? Just drinking some brewskis, listening to you both. Nice. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Mile high huddle. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you for being with us. Dennis Woods. Oh, John, I, I we, we clicked right at the same time. All right, I'll grab him. Good to see you, Dennis. Longtime superstar. He's been up on Mount Rushmore for a long time. Appreciate you, my friend. He said, no questions, just showing some love and appreciation. You thank know you. that means a lot to us, buddy. Sean B., thank you, my friend. What is one thing that you want to see from training camp or the preseason that hasn't been talked about much this offseason? Hashtag go Broncos. What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, the quarterback competition has been beaten to death already. Um, The first thing that came to my mind, honestly, was no injuries. I I really don't care about anything else in preseason. I want to see a good offense, obviously, and good quarterback play. But, God, please, no injuries, no Von Miller misstep mishaps. Um, That's the first thing that came to my mind. But in terms of the preseason – I kind of want to see how the defensive line, you know, uh, responds. I, w- I want to see Draymond Jones, what he's going to do in a starting opportunity. I want to see how Shelby Harris is going to respond after getting paid. I want to see what Deshaun Williams can do, hopefully given an expanded role, Ajim. That's a really uh, talented group with a lot of upside that I, I want to watch this summer. I mean, obviously, other than the quarterback situation, because that has been talked about a lot, um, just to, how some of the position battles are going to shape up, yeah. whether it's you know, what happens at safety behind Kareem and, and Simmons? What happens at off-ball linebacker? As Zach just mentioned, the D-line. You know, how does the wide receiver depth chart ultimately shake out? Running back. Ha- yeah, running back. So lots of that stuff, my friend. Um, Andrew Eastman says, I want to send you a Bronco decoration for the new man shed. Yeah, Andrew, uh, shoot me an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, 
and uh, we'll see what we can do, my friend. All right, we we definitely look at that. Andrew, I have a mostly empty book bookshelf behind me, so let's yeah. let's share for the audience here, John included. Remember, <laughs> football priests, right? That's right. <laughs> um, okay, we're about out of time here. Willie, one last thing. John, have a show yet? Yeah, yep. It's uh, it's in the wind, my friend. Don't it's you fret. Brewing. Don't you fret. It's All like right, the guys. first cup of coffee in the morning. It's brewing. That's right. I don't uh, mean the coffee. Last one here, anyway. Zach. I want to grab this topic yes, and then let's dip on out of here. Uh, EJ goes, Chad Kelly blew his shot in Denver, but would probably just be a career backup. Probably. But you know what? I mean, he was – literally this close to getting the keys handed over to him after Keenum led the Broncos out to a really slow start. What was it? It was like a two and it was two and four or something like that. And then of course the incident that we know happened, but I, I remain convinced that if Chad Kelly uh, would have actually not walked inebriated into the, someone's <laughs> living room on Halloween and a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Battling a vacuum cleaner and a duel. Um, <laughs> He has talent, dude. That he was another guy that not only had that big arm, but he had juice, man. He had panache. He had a little something to him that people, his teammates around him, responded to. So you never know what could have happened. But hey, wasn't in the, wasn't in the cards uh, because of you know million dollar arm, nickel dome. God. You know, the only Von Miller never held those Halloween parties. Chad yeah. Kelly might be the Broncos' quarterback. It's funny though, looking back on it, everyone in ourselves included lauded Chad Kelly for his swag, but now everyone is knocking Drew Locke for having the same swag. So it's uh, different double standards in Broncos country. I'm seeing John real quick before we dip out. If I can grab the stars on the back end real quick. Yep, Andrew Baker going crazy with the with the stars. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate you. Five ninety five. 595 stars, Sean Miller, 400 stars, Travis Tarbox, 350, Gary, 200, Kevin, 170, Zebulon, 100, Travis Weber, 50. Every one of them adds up, guys, so thank you. Um, And then last thing here from B-Rod 53, I don't typically listen to an entire pod, but with MHH, I start listening, and before you know it, you're at the end. I really enjoy this pod. Thank you. Appreciate you. But, guys, we're out of here. We got to go. Thank you for a great week of – podcasting and of course next week when we return the huddle up podcast sunday night we will be presiding over the beginning that's the it's training camp week training camp starts wednesday night which of course is a huddle up pod night for wednesday and that's a huddle up pod night so that'll be fun uh so hang in there gang you've you've uh grinned and bared it through the depths of the nfl summer and we're about to start having a lot of fun but yeah we'll be back sunday so zach sign us on off my friend I just wanted to, real quick, just take two seconds. I want to grab Sean here. He's been a great supporter recently. He he asked a question. We can keep it very brief. He says, who stars a corner this year? What do you guys think? Um, Among the new additions, Chad, Ronald Darby, Sertan, I'm looking for a big year from Kyle Fuller. I think the Denver defense is going to rack up a lot of picks, and I think Fuller Fuller will be the beneficiary of that along with uh, Simmons. I do, too. I do, too. I think – you know, one of the things I was going to say when we were asked about what are you looking forward to seeing in the preseason was I want to see what they're going to do with Pat Sertan. But then yes. before I, that could be uttered from my lips, I realized that whatever they're planning to do with Sertan, they're not going to show it in preseason. So we're going to have to wait a little while to probably to see what the if there is a special plan for Pat, I guess I should say how that resolves. Uh, but I think that depth chart is going to be Kyle Fuller, who has a great chance to return to his all pro glory with Vic and Ed Donatel. And Ronald Darby, 
next offseason. Yes, season. absolutely. From the Broncos or whoever else. Uh, Darby, Callahan, stay healthy, please, football gods. And then, of course, Sertan. We'll see if OJ Moody can take a step forward. It's going to be – I mean, they got some they got some dogs this year, so it'll be fun to watch. And then Bassey coming back healthy as well. But I want to just grab Sean. You know, he's been a great uh, patron lately, so we appreciate you, Sean. But that is the Huddle Up podcast for the evening and for the week. We appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back Sunday night. But, Chad, I hope you have a great night and a great weekend, John, as well. Be sure, guys, if you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can follow the pod at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Be sure to follow the Beast, Wanna Beast, our producer on Twitter at John KMHH. If you haven't already, go to huddleuppod.com. If you like the shirt I'm wearing, go right there and get it right now. Get the hat that we're wearing, mugs, more things coming, football pre-shirt. We appreciate each and every one of you. Also, Facebook.com slash Pod. Like the page. Follow the page and also Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Big blue button. Become a supporter. Three exclusive shows. More coming soon. We have a new episode of KK on Sunday. More stuff on the way. We appreciate each and every one of you. But as always, if you can't do any of that, we totally understand. We ask you to do three things that take a total of five seconds. Subscribe, like, and share. It helps us grow more than anything you can do and reach new Broncos fans just like you. We appreciate it. We're off until Sunday. Uh, Have a great weekend again, guys. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.